Chapter thirty one, part one of the Italian. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Cathy Barrett. The Italian by Anne Radcliffe. Chapter thirty one, part one. O holy nun, why bend the mournful head? Why fall those tears from lids uplift in prayer? Why o'er thy pale cheek steals the feeble blush, then fades and leaves it wane as the lily on which a moonbeam falls? While these events were passing in the prisons of the Inquisition at Rome, Elena, in the sanctuary of Our Lady of Pity, remained ignorant of Scidoni's arrest and of Vivaldi's situation. She understood that the confessor was preparing to acknowledge her for his daughter, and believed that she comprehended also the motive for his absence. But though he had forbidden her to expect a visit from him till his arrangement should be completed, he had promised to write in the meantime and inform her of all the present circumstances of Vivaldi. His unexpected silence had excited, therefore, apprehensions as various, though not so terrible, as those which Vivaldi had suffered for her, nor did the silence of Vivaldi himself appear less extraordinary. "'His confinement must be severe indeed,' said the afflicted Elena, "'since he cannot relieve my anxiety by a single line of intelligence. Or perhaps harassed by unceasing opposition, he has submitted to the command of his family, and has consented to forget me.' Oh, why did I leave the opportunity for that command to his family? Why did I not enforce it myself? Yet while she uttered this self-reproach, the tears she shed contradicted the pride which had suggested it, and a conviction lurking in her heart that Vivaldi could not so resign her soon dissipated those tears. But other conjectures recalled them. It was possible that he was ill, that he was dead. In such vague and gloomy surmise her days passed away employment could no longer withdraw her from herself nor music even for a moment charm away the sense of sorrow yet she regularly partook of the various occupations of the nuns and was so far from permitting herself to indulge in any useless expression of anxiety that she had never once disclosed the sacred subject of it so that though she could not assume an air of cheerfulness she never appeared otherwise than tranquil her most soothing yet perhaps most melancholy hour was when about sunset she could withdraw unnoticed to the terrace among the rocks that overlooked the convent and formed a part of its domain. There, alone and relieved from all the ceremonial restraints of the society, her very thoughts seemed more at liberty. As from behind the light foliage of the acacias or the more majestic shade of the plane-trees that waved their branches over the many-coloured cliffs of this terrace, Elena looked down upon the magnificent scenery of the bay, it brought back to memory, in sad yet pleasing detail, the many happy days she had passed on those blue waters, or on the shores, in the society of Vivaldi and her departed relative Bianchi, and every point of the prospect, marked by such remembrance, which the veiling distance stole, was rescued by imagination, and pictured by affection in tints more animated than those in brightest nature. One evening Elena had lingered on the terrace later than usual. She had watched the rays retiring from the highest points of the horizon, and the fading imagery of the lower scene, till the sun having sunk into the waves, all colouring was withdrawn, except an empurpling and reposing hue, which overspread the waters and the heavens, and blended in soft confusion every feature of the landscape. The roofs and slender spires of the Santa della Pieta, with a single tower of the church rising loftily over every other part of the buildings that composed the convent, were fading fast from the eye. But the solemn tint that invested them accorded so well with their style that Elena was unwilling to relinquish this interesting object. 
suddenly she perceived through the dubious light an unusual number of moving figures in the court of the great cloister, and listening she fancied she could distinguish the murmuring of many voices. The white drapery of the nuns rendered them conspicuous as they moved, but it was impossible to ascertain who were the individuals engaged in this bustle. Presently the assemblage dispersed, and Elena, curious to understand the occasion of what she had observed, prepared to descend to the convent. She had left the terrace, and was about to enter a long avenue of chestnuts that extended to a part of the convent, communicating immediately with the great court, when she heard approaching steps, and on turning into the walk, perceived several persons advancing in the shady distance. Among the voices, as they drew nearer, she distinguished one whose interesting tone engaged all her attention, and began also to awaken memory. She listened, wondered, doubted, hoped, and feared. It spoke again. Elena thought she could not be deceived in those tender accents, so full of intelligence, so expressive of sensibility and refinement. She proceeded with quicker steps, yet faltered as she drew near the group, and paused to discern whether among them was any figure that might accord with the voice and justify her hopes. The voice spoke again. It pronounced her name, pronounced it with the tremblings of tenderness and impatience, and Elena scarcely dared to trust her senses when she beheld Olivia, the nun of San Stefano, in the cloisters of the De la Pieta. Elena could find no words to express her joy and surprise on beholding her preserver in safety and in those quiet groves. But Olivia repaid all the affectionate caresses of her young friend, and while she promised to explain the circumstance that had led to her present appearance here, she, in turn, made numerous inquiries relative to Elena's adventures after she had quitted San Stefano. They were now, however, surrounded by too many auditors to allow of unreserved conversation. Elena, therefore, led the nun to her apartment, and Olivia then explained her reasons for having left the convent of San Stefano, which were indeed sufficient to justify, even with the most rigid devotee, her conduct as to the change. This unfortunate recluse, it appeared, persecuted by the suspicions of the abbess, who understood that she had assisted in the liberation of Elena, had petitioned the bishop of her diocese for leave to remove to the Santa della Pieta. The abbess had not proof to proceed formally against her, as an accomplice in the escape of a novice, for though Geronimo could have supplied the requisite evidence, he was too deeply implicated in this adventure to do so without betraying his own conduct. From his having withheld such proof, it appears, however, that accident rather than design had occasioned his failure on the evening of Elena's departure from the monastery. But though the abbess had not testimony enough for legal punishment, she was acquainted with circumstances sufficient to justify suspicion, and had both the inclination and the power to render Olivia very miserable. In her choice of the Santa della Pieta, the nun was influenced by many considerations, some of which were the consequence of conversations she had held with Elena respecting the state of that society. Her design she had been unable to disclose to her friend, lest by a discovery of such correspondence the abbess of San Stefano should obtain grounds on which to proceed against her. Even in her appeal to the bishop, the utmost caution and secrecy had been necessary till the order for her removal, procured not without considerable delay and difficulty, arrived, and when it came, the jealous anger of the superior rendered an immediate departure necessary. Olivia, during many years, had been unhappy in her local circumstances, but it is probable she would have concluded her days within the walls of San Stefano, had not the aggravated oppression of the abbess aroused her courage and activity, and dissipated the despondency with which severe misfortune had obscured her views. 
elena was particular in her inquiries whether any person of the monastery had suffered for the assistance they had given her but learned that no one except olivia had been suspected of befriending her and then understood that the venerable friar who had dared to unfasten the gate which restored her with vivaldi to liberty had not been involved by his kindness it is an embarrassing and rather an unusual circumstance concluded olivia to change one's convent but you've perceived the strong reasons which determined me upon a removal i was however perhaps the more impatient of severe treatment since you my sister had described to me the society of our lady of pity and since i believed it possible that you might form a part of it when on my arrival here i learned that my wishes had not deceived me on this point i was impatient to see you once more and as soon as the ceremonies attending an introduction to the superior were over i requested to be conducted to you and was in search of you when we met in the avenue it is unnecessary for me to insist upon the satisfaction which this meeting gives me but you may not perhaps understand how much the manners of our lady abbess and of the sisterhood in general as far as a first interview will allow me to judge of them have reanimated me the gloom which has long hung over my prospects seems now to open and a distant gleam promises to light up the evening of my stormy day olivia paused and appeared to recollect herself this was the first time she had made so direct a reference to her own misfortunes and while elena silently remarked it and observed the dejection which was already stealing upon the expressive countenance of the nun she wished yet feared to lead her back towards the subject of them endeavouring to dismiss some painful remembrance and assuming a smile of languid gaiety olivia said now that i have related the history of my removal and sufficiently indulged my egotism will you let me hear what adventures have befallen you my young friend since the melancholy adieu you gave me in the gardens of san stefano this was a task to which elena's spirits though revived by the presence of olivia were still unequal over the scenes of her past distress time had not yet drawn his shadowing veil the colours were all too fresh and garish for the meek dejection of her eye and the subject was too intimately connected with that of her present anxiety to be reviewed without very painful feelings she therefore requested olivia to spare her from a detail of particulars which she could not recollect but with extreme reluctance and scrupulously observing the injunction of scedoni she merely mentioned her separation from vivaldi upon the banks of the Celano, and that a variety of distressing circumstances had intervened before she could regain the sanctuary of the de la pieta olivia understood too well the kind of feelings from which elena was desirous of escaping willingly to subject her to a renewal of them and felt too much generous compassion for her sufferings not to endeavour to soothe the sense of them by an exertion of those delicate and nameless arts which while they mock detection fascinate the weary spirit as by a charm of magic the friends continued in conversation till a chime from a chapel of the convent summoned them to the last vespers and when the service had concluded they separated for the night with the society of the santa de la pieta olivia had thus found an asylum such as till lately she had never dared to hope for but though she frequently expressed her sense of this blessing it was seldom without tears and elena observed with some surprise and more disappointment within a very few days after her arrival a cloud of melancholy spreading again over her mind but a nearer interest soon withdrew elena's attention from olivia to fix it upon vivaldi and when she saw her infirm old servant beatrice enter a chamber of the convent she anticipated that the knowledge of some extraordinary and probably unhappy event had brought her she knew too well the circumspection of scedoni to believe that beatrice came commissioned from him 
and as the uncertain situation of Vivaldi was so constantly the subject of her anxiety, she immediately concluded that her servant came to announce some evil relative to him. His indisposition, perhaps his actual confinement in the Inquisition, which lately she had sometimes been inclined to think might not have been a mere menace to Vivaldi, though it had proved to be no more to herself, or possibly she came to tell of his death, his death in those prisons, this last was a possibility that almost incapacitated her for inquiring what was the errand of Beatrice. The old servant, trembling and wan, either from the fatigue of her walk or from a consciousness of disastrous intelligence, seated herself without speaking, and some moments elapsed before she could be prevailed with to answer the repeated inquiries of Elena. "'Oh, signora,' she said at length, "'you do not know what it is to walk uphill such a long way at my age. Well,' heaven protect you i hope you never will i perceive you bring ill news said elena i am prepared for it and you need not fear to tell me all you know holy san marco exclaimed beatrice if death be ill news you have guessed right signora for i do bring news of that it is certain how came you lady to know my errand they have been beforehand with me i see though i have not walked so fast uphill this many a day as i have now to tell you what has happened she stopped on observing the changing countenance of Elena, who tremulously called upon her to explain what had happened, who was dead, and entreated her to relate the particulars as speedily as possible. "'You said you was prepared, Signora,' said Beatrice, "'but your look tells another tale.' "'What is the event you would disclose?' said Elena, almost breathless. "'When did it happen? Be brief.' "'I cannot tell exactly when it happened, Signora, but it was an own servant of the Marchese's that I had it from.' Marchese's? interrupted Elena in a faltering voice. Aye, lady, you will say that is pretty good authority. Death, and in the Marchese's family, exclaimed Elena. Yes, signora, I had it from his own servant. He was passing by the garden gate just as I happened to be speaking to the macaroni man. But you are ill, lady. I am very well, if you will but proceed, replied Elena faintly, while her eyes were fixed upon Beatrice, as if they only had power to enforce her meaning. "'Well, dame,' he says to me, "'I have not seen you of a long time. "'No,' says I, "'that is a great grievance, truly, "'for old women nowadays are not much thought of, "'out of sight, out of mind with them nowadays.' "'I beseech you to the purpose,' interrupted Elena. "'Whose death did he announce?' "'She had not courage to pronounce Vivaldi's name. "'You shall hear, signora. "'I saw he looked in a sort of a bustle, "'so I asked him how all did at the palazzo. "'So he answers, bad enough signora beatrice have not you heard heard says i what should i have heard why says he of what has just happened in our family oh heavens exclaimed elena he is dead vivaldi is dead you shall hear signora continued beatrice be brief said elena answer me simply yes or no i cannot till i come to the right place signora if you will but have a little patience you shall hear all but if you fluster me so you will put me quite out grant me patience said elena endeavouring to calm her spirits with that signora i asked him to walk in and rest himself and tell me all about it he answered he was in a great hurry and could not stay a moment and a great deal of that sort but i knowing that whatever happened in that family signora was something to you would not let him go off so easily and so when i asked him to refresh himself with a glass of lemon ice he forgot all his business in a minute and we had a long chat 
and beatrice might now have continued her circumlocution perhaps as long as she had pleased for elena had lost all power to urge inquiry and was scarcely sensible of what was said she neither spoke nor shed a tear the one image that possessed her fancy the image of vivaldi dead seemed to hold all her faculties as by a spell so when i asked him added beatrice again what had happened he was ready enough to tell all about it it is near a month ago said he since she was first taken the marchesa had been the marchesa repeated elena with whom that one word had dissolved the spell of terror the marchesa yes signora to be sure who else did i say it was go on beatrice the marchesa what makes you look so glad all of a sudden signora i thought just now you was very sorry about it what i warned you was thinking about my young lord vivaldi proceed said elena well added beatrice it was about a month ago that the marchesa was first taken continued the varlet she had seemed poorly a long time but it was from a conversation at the divoglio palazzo that she came home so ill it is supposed she had been long in a bad state of health but nobody thought her so near her end till the doctors were called together and then matters looked very bad indeed they found out that she had been dying or as good for many years though nobody else had suspected it and the marchesa's own physician was blamed for not finding it out before but he added the rogue had a regard for my lady he was very obstinate too for he kept saying almost to the last there was no danger when everybody else saw how it was going the other doctors soon made their words good and my lady died and her son said elena was he with the marchesa when she expired what signor vivaldi lady no the signor was not there that is very extraordinary observed elena with emotion did the servant mention him yes signora he said what a sad thing it was that he should be out of the way at that time and nobody know where are his family then ignorant where he is asked elena with increased emotion to be sure they are lady and have been for these many weeks they have heard nothing at all of the signor or one paolo mendrico his servant though the marchesa's people have been riding post after them from one end of the kingdom to the other all the time shocked with the conviction of a circumstance which till lately she scarcely believed was possible the imprisonment of vivaldi in the inquisition elena lost for a while all power of further inquiry but beatrice proceeded the lady marchesa seemed to lay something much to heart as the man told me and often inquired for signor vincentio the marchesa you are sure then was ignorant where he was said elena with now astonishment and perplexity as to the person who after betraying him into the inquisition could yet have suffered her though arrested at the same time to escape yes signora for she wanted sadly to see him and when she was dying she sent for her confessor one father scudoni i think they call him and what of him said elena incautiously nothing signora for he could not be found not be found repeated elena no signora not just then he was confessor i warrant to other people beside the marchesa and i dare say they had sins enough to confess so he could not get away in a hurry elena recollected herself sufficiently to ask no further of scudoni and when she considered the probable cause of vivaldi's arrest she was again consoled by a belief that he had not fallen into the power of real officials since the comrades of the men who had arrested him had proved themselves otherwise and she thought it highly probable that while undiscovered by his family he had been and was still engaged in searching for the place of her confinement but i was saying proceeded beatrice what a bustle there was when my lady the marchesa was dying 
as this father scudoni was not to be found another confessor was sent for and shut up with her for a long while indeed and then my lord marchese was called in and there seemed to be a deal going forward for my lord was heard every now and then by the attendants in the antechamber talking loud and sometimes my lady marchese's voice was heard too though she was so ill at last all was silent and after some time my lord came out of the room and he seemed very much flustered they say that is very angry and yet very sorrowful but the confessor remained with my lady for a long while after and when he departed my lady appeared more unhappy than ever she lived all that night and part of the next day and something seemed to lie very heavy at her heart for she sometimes wept but oftener groaned and would look so that it was piteous to see her she frequently asked for the marchese and when he came the attendants were sent away and they held long conferences by themselves the confessor also was sent for again just at the last and they were all shut up together after this my lady appeared more easy in her mind and not long after she died End of chapter 31 part 1